Welcome. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real-life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie-cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Is food addictive? Is sugar addictive? We're going to talk about it today. We are two registered dietitians. My name is Kate. I'm Megan. And we see clients in real life who will come and tell us that their main problem is that they want to lose weight, but they're addicted to food or they can't stop eating sugar because they're addicted. And we had done a podcast on this back in 2020. And when we re-listened to it, we realized that our feelings, our thoughts, and the science has evolved a bit. So when you open the pod, I don't know how she's going to open the podcast ever. So when she said that, I was silent because I was like, oh my God, I don't know the answer. <laughs> but that's the whole point of this, right? Is like, yeah. there is no hard and fast answer. And I think all of the research, you could research until you're blue in the face. And I don't think there's a consensus. There's not a consensus, which is a common theme among a lot of nutrition uh, <laughs> topics, yeah. which, you know, is this better? Is this right? Is that wrong? Food addiction, sugar addictions, no different. Our goal for this is to offer you at least a different way of viewing how sugar and food affects you and the behaviors around food and sugar that may seem addictive, whether they are actually hard and fast, clinically approved to be addictive or not. And does it matter? Does it matter? That's something that I brought up is like, does it really matter whether you can call it addictive or not? Because regardless, if the behavior feels addictive, my question is the most important question, what's the treatment? So whether we call it an addiction or whether we say the addiction to sugar doesn't exist, what's the treatment? What we what can we do about it? Because if you're watching this video, that's probably what you're interested in. Right. Well, let's talk about what an addiction is. Okay. It's a dependence on a substance. And I think the word addiction gets thrown out way too much. And maybe that's why it's lost some of its weight. We could take a really obvious example like cocaine addiction or alcohol addiction, where somebody has a dependence on a substance, uh, where I see a lot of the literature differentiate between those types of addictions on substances versus food addiction or sugar addiction is that those things are not necessary for life. You do not need online shopping to survive. Uh, You do not need cocaine to get by, ideally, (laughs) hopefully, right? But you need food, you need energy, food is broken down as sugar in your body 
which I guess is also debated too, right? For people are, are keto people. So the I, the differential factor there is something that's addictive is also not necessary for life, but you feel like you have to have it to function properly. Or you're getting some kind of response, like a dopamine hit, some kind of feel-good chemical that encourages you to keep doing it. Another way people define addiction is if you're feeling something uncomfortable, let's just say anxiety, stress, depression, and the way to alleviate that uncomfortable feeling is by going to a substance. So you feel sad or you have even an uncomfortable feeling would be an urge to drink alcohol. That's just an uncomfortable feeling. And addiction would be having to use the substance to alleviate that urge Mm -hmm. instead of something else. Mm I also saw they character a, a couple different places characterize addiction. You could call it an addiction when it starts to affect your life in a negative way. So not that you just want the substance, but also that you're spending your entire paycheck mm. on the substance or that it's affecting your home life or your relationships. When it's affecting you in a negative way, then characterizing whatever it is, as, whether it's a shopping addiction or a food addiction or obviously drug or alcohol addiction. That's broad, too, because I could see somebody who says, I have an addiction to sugar who would agree that, yes, it's affecting their life in a negative way. They come home and they can't stop thinking about sugar. Uh, They're contributing that to maybe unwanted weight gain or diabetes, insulin levels, all the things. They could say, yes, that's an addiction because it's impacting my life in a negative way, where somebody else could say, yes, I have uh, a lot of cravings for sugar, but I'm still functioning. It's not ruining my life. It's just pesky yeah i think the where the differentiation is important is what the treatment is so i think i'm more on the black and white side of i don't believe the treatment for a sugar addiction is totally avoiding sugar right i think for probably 95 percent of people that's not the answer whereas these other addictions abstaining from cocaine or heroin or whatever it is that would be okay avoid it completely so i think when we characterize it as addiction it gets thrown into that same category and you think okay well the treatment should be i never eat sugar again which anybody who's tried that i almost guarantee they've all eaten sugar again (laughs) yeah i do have a lot of people that come in and you've heard this i know they will tell me i do better when i have no sugar in the house when i do not have snack foods in the house and just putting this out here when i talk about sugar i'm also talking about refined carbohydrates so some people will feel like they have an addiction around cake ice cream cookies candy somebody else is craving savory sugars like potato chips pretzels those types of things exactly right or the the wing sauce on your hot wings that might have sugar added so it's a little bit broad it's not just your candy ice cream it's refined carbohydrates Um, but somebody may say tell me i I just do better when that stuff's not even in my orbit and the reality is that stuff's going to come into your orbit if you don't live under a rock if you are a person who walks out of your house who goes to dinner who goes to friends homes who goes to an office you're going to come in contact with sugar or refined carbs and if you're completely restricting yourself from it sure sometimes you'll be able to use sheer willpower and not eat it but is that going to happen 100 percent of the times i bet my life that it won't And when you do finally eat those foods, when I guess the willpower breaks, 
are you able to just have one cookie or one bowl of chips or does it turn into like this whole thing and then you feel guilty it just spirals yeah i think my thing with willpower is it only lasts for so long when it comes to food because we have these physiological drives for our body to keep us alive and to get the things that are going to keep us alive so let's talk about reasons why our body craves sugar in the first place like why is our body pushing us to eat sugar because you lack energy. That's one of the reasons. This is one of the most common reasons I see. I had a client who came in today. She was really sweet, an athlete who was also doing recreational workouts. So she was doing workouts for her team sport and she was going to the gym in the morning. She'd go to the gym on an empty stomach, come home, eat a light breakfast, eat lunch, maybe have a snack before she went to her team practice that night. And she said she felt awful. She was tired. She had no energy. Told me on an average day she was Uh, a one or a two on a scale of one to 10 of energy. So 10 being really high in energy, one having zero energy. Every single day she was on that low energy scale. And almost every day after practice, she would come home and see her roommates eating crackers and chips and all these snacks and feel like she had to eat all those things. And she was blaming it on herself. She was like, if I see other people eating it, then I want it. Yeah, it's also because you've been exercising for two and a half plus hours every day and not eating enough food. So as soon as your body sees quick energy in the form of sugar or refined carbs, it's going to drive you to go overconsume it. I said, do you feel compelled to go eat this food? Yes. Do you feel like you can't stop? You don't know when you're full and when you're hungry, the lines are blurred? Yes. Ah, okay, that craving is natural. It's not a willpower mental thing. It's your physical need for energy to recover from the day. And it sounds like in her case, it wasn't like she was getting home and like, I want brownies. It was she was getting home and whatever she saw that was carb-based, she would go towards. So I think delineating those two things of like wanting something very specific like a chocolate brownie whereas nothing else will do like you just really want the chocolate brownie versus i'm in a room and someone's eating plain saltine crackers to give those to me or i'll have the brownie or i'll have an apple i'll have any of these carbohydrates mm. i feel like that's kind of when you can tell that it's a physiological hunger yeah. versus a specific craving for a food because it's pleasurable to eat that food i'm glad you brought that differentiation up because if you are seeing if you're eating something you don't even really like or have a taste for that's how you know you underfueled like the saltine mm-hmm. crackers is a big one or i'll hear from people all the time who let's just say don't keep junk food in the house whatever that means to them at night they're eating bowls of oatmeal and energy bars with peanut butter spread on them that's what yeah. i did in college i yeah. would like eat, i put peanut butter on those nature <laughs> valley bars yeah. and i was like it's healthy but you felt like you couldn't stop eating those things because your body's just needs food it's mine food. was unfrosted pop-tarts i know my roommate in college used to buy unfrosted pop-tarts because she like she loved eating pop-tarts she Mm -hmm. ate one every single day for breakfast and she thought she was being healthier if she got the unfrosted ones Mm -hmm. i would sneak her unfrosted pop-tarts but like it wasn't good it was just like that was the only carb that was available that was sweet and that was there and that was available to me even though i was stealing it from her sorry well that Jane. sorry jane see starvation <laughs> compromises your ethics <laughs> but that's no i know that's a real thing that's how you know when you feel like this compulsive urge to go eat unfrosted pop tarts or whatever it is that is a huge sign that you underfueled. and i would challenge anyone who experiences that to frame that as a positive thing because that's your body functioning how it should Mm -hmm. If you could bypass that craving every single night, 
you wouldn't have awesome discipline or willpower. You would have a full-blown eating disorder like anorexia. And that is no bueno. I had a client recently who the goal that we made together was that when she got home at 4.30, she wasn't hungry, which is a weird goal to have. So like our goal was like, Mm. let's front load as much as we possibly can. And I want you to eat so that when you get home, you're actually not hungry at 4.30. Because when she got home at 4.30, that's when the wheels would come off and she would go and eat the stuff Mm -hmm. that she didn't really want because she's one of those people doesn't keep junk food in Mm -hmm. the house and then just eats what she'll eat handfuls of almonds and then she'll go and eat whatever the stuff was. But it's like not good stuff until dinner comes around. And so our goal was whatever you do, don't be hungry at 4.30 when you get home. So what do we have to do to get ahead of that? I bet that was a bit unnerving for her at first. Oh, I don't know what it's going to... I haven't talked to her since, so oh. it's going to be interesting at our next follow-up to see how it went. Well, it, you know, I don't know about this specific client, but I with like the client I had this morning, a lot of times when you tell a woman or a girl who's been so conditioned to not eat all day because they're trying to lose weight, it can feel very counterintuitive for someone to say, no eat more so that you eat less overall and have more control over what you're eating. It takes a leap of faith, but you have to. And once you take that leap of faith, somebody who maybe identifies as a sugar or food addict because they're incessantly snacking all afternoon and night may find they have way more control and no addictive tendencies towards food. Yeah. And we should also say that by eating more during the day, that doesn't mean eating more junk food. It means eating food that fills you up. Protein, fats, fiber. Yeah, I think... Many of the people who feel like they have a sugar addiction or like they need something sweet after every meal are often the ones who are eating some of those filler foods. You had a great reel about this recently where you talked about like the early 2000s, 90s, like the Snackwells cookies and the 100 calorie packs. And those things still exist in different forms today in these filler foods where you're eating food, but it's not really giving you anything. Mm -hmm. And so the people that kind of go towards those kind of foods all the time, I find a lot of times are the ones who really need something sweet after a meal or Mm -hmm. sweet in between the meal or sweet after dinner. They're also the ones who are eating like four of those 100 calorie packs and then feeling guilty about it. Because it's not satisfying. It's right. not actually satisfying their body. So they're continuing that hunt for calories, that hunt for food, that hunt for fuel. And then their brain feels bad about it because they see this is one portion, then all you should need is one portion when that's really not true. Just because mm-hmm. it's packaged that way doesn't mean it's the right portion size for you. So let's go back to addiction, because when we first put this podcast out last time, uh, there was feedback where people told me they're like, no, identifying as an addict, identifying as a food addict actually helped me come to terms with the, we'll call them problems, that they had with food, and then they were able to overcome them. To change their behaviors, because they gave it a name. They gave it a name. They gave it a name, giving that identification said, oh, there's not necessarily something wrong with me this is what's going on with me. I can kind of separate myself from that behavior and then I can treat that behavior. And for other people, they may feel the exact opposite by saying, oh, you have a sugar addiction. Then it's like, I have no control of this. This is a condition that I have and I feel small and I feel like a victim and I feel like there's nothing that I can do about this. So I think it totally depends on the person and how they feel about having that kind of label. That's how I felt. I believe when we did that first podcast, that was my stance. And it's, and honestly, in still a lot of ways, I still find it to be disempowering for a lot of people to label themselves as something 
that isn't in control. I think people have more control than they think. Uh, but I, I find that if you're going to label yourself as a food or sugar addict, that puts you in a victim position while the people find that it doesn't. So th- that's still my stance. But I also acknowledge that other people have a completely different experience and that genuinely helps them. But for anyone who takes either stance, I would also ask you to be real with yourself. Like if you say labeling yourself as a sugar addict helps you identify the problem and fix it, what does fixing it mean and does that actually help? Does identifying as a sugar addict help you fix the problem because you did a 30-day sugar-free challenge, but what happened 60 days later or 90 days later? Are you back in the same addiction pattern because you fixed the problem, which was purely restriction because that's, that's always the prescription for addiction is you know, abstaining. abstaining. I remember having a client who had some issues with alcohol and then also Mm -hmm. had some issues with food. And so he thought because he was addicted to one and then also thought he was addicted to the other, he would treat them both in the same way. Like he would start the week and be like, okay, I'm not going to drink until Sunday or something like that. I'm not going to drink until Saturday and I'm going to stay in all week. And then he'd also say like, I'm going to have this 300 calorie thing for breakfast. I'm going to have a preset meal for lunch. And then he'd be doing all this stuff and he'd be out until Mm -hmm. like 7 or 8 p.m. And then he'd get home and then he would start on the popcorn or order a pizza or whatever. And then he'd be like, see, I'm addicted to food. I just can't. I can't. I can stop drinking for the week, but I can't stop eating for the weekend. It's like, yeah, yeah, no shit. (laughs) Like, Like, good. No, you can't because like you're a big dude and you're trying to eat. 500 calories until you get home at 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah. that That's just feeding into that behavior of needing the carbohydrate because your body mm. can't just say no to that and then... That's really interesting because he was eating those preset meals, you said. Mm-hmm. That's something I've seen a lot where somebody signs up for a meal kit delivery service mm-hmm. and their brain sees whatever the delivery service gives them as what the right portion the magic portion should be mm-hmm. and so if someone's not aware of this they may be setting themselves up for disaster because they feel guilty they're like i ate this fit meal for breakfast i ate what they gave me for lunch ground turkey rice and broccoli and i'm starving at three what's wrong with me there's nothing wrong with you if you're feeling physically hungry you should eat something or bulk up those meals with something else. Yeah. It's okay. Those meals are great for convenience, but if they're not enough, pair something else with it or choose a different program. Yeah, I just, I had uh, factor meals maybe a week or so ago, and I had one that was like a, like a beef, spicy beef, enchilada, something, and it was broccoli rice with I think more broccoli in with the beef kind of a thing and it was like cheese and like a sour cream cilantro sauce it was delicious Mm -hmm. but I'm looking at it and I'm like there's no carbohydrates Mm -hmm. here like I'm gonna need some carbohydrates Mm -hmm. here in an hour or two so I got these like blue tortilla chips out and I used it as a dip for the rest of my meal so yeah those meals Mm. like that you know if if I had just said like I'm only gonna eat that and then an hour later I would want carb and be like what's wrong with me or I have to abstain from that then I think I would probably overeat later I think that's a great example because you use the chips right somebody might hear that and be like oh no way I could ever leave blue corn tortilla chips in my house and not eat the whole bag but what you did was two things you had a meal that had 
nutrients that are satisfying. So you could eat a whole bag of blue corn chips and feel nothing mm -hmm. because there's no fiber, there's very little fat, it cooks with some fat, and there's no protein. But you paired that with protein and fat from the meal, lots of fiber from the vegetables. Therefore, you could have a serving, whatever a serving was to you of those chips, and then walk away. My serving was literally until I was done with the beef. Right. Like it wasn't, I didn't count anything out. But also like, there's a crunch. Yeah. It needed a crunch. It's satisfying. It That's needed the thing. a crunch. The broccoli wasn't crunchy. The beef was, it needed, it needed some substance. I've noticed that I, when I use the 8 app and, and look at what I'm eating, if I have soft foods all day, like a smoothie <laughs> and then yogurt with really soft fruit and that I'm like, I'm eating baby food. There's something, actually not just something, there's science that shows when you start to chew food that immediately turns on your brain to the fact that you're eating and you start to secrete hormones that help regulate satiety. So if you're not crunching, you're getting a delayed start on feeling full. So yeah. crunching and chewing food is really beneficial. I tell that to people all the time. If they make a smoothie for breakfast and they like that, but they're hungry in two or three hours, they feel like something's off, eat a crunchy fruit with it or a handful of nuts, mm -hmm. just a little something to make it more satiating. And with the crunchy chips piece too, you ate that with the meal and then you were able to go off and do things where I bet somebody who let's just say in that example, didn't add carbs or chips to that meal, maybe an hour later they would go and just, uh, you know, snack on the bag. Mm -hmm. And without that protein and that fiber there to help bulk up that snack, they may be eating two, three times as many chips later than if they had eaten it with that meal. Right, exactly. That's kind of the, the trick right. to all of this. Yeah. And I, I think maybe we feel differently than other people in that space and mm -hmm. i don't want to speak for you but i feel that people should be able to eat a chocolate chip cookie yes. or like have a donut on the weekend i i, I personally don't want to live a life where those things are off limits mm -hmm. so if someone is coming to me for help i want to help them live their life in a way where they can go and do those things and I think maybe maybe people on an, on the other end of the spectrum are like, no, I want to help you be the type of person who doesn't need a donut on the weekends or doesn't need to go get a chocolate chip cookie for fulfillment. But maybe because I really like food, I think it's part of life. And I agree with you. I also think there's a narrative out there that doesn't tell the whole story because you hear a lot of voices and I'm going to say they come from a more masculine approach. And I don't mean that like from men and women. I just mean like a masculine approach is and it's very structured. It's very hard. The emphasis on discipline, willpower, go, go, go. And I wonder just from conversations I have with the more masculine type people in my life and clients, if that's actually the whole truth. I find that a lot of people can do that 80% of the time and then they also still have their beer or their whatever it is the 20% of the time. They just don't talk about that. You know, the great example of that is The Rock. Yeah, have really? You seen his videos. No. So he does like, he'll like show what he's eating all week. And this was a while ago. I don't know if he still does it, but it would be like clean, 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 clean. And then like on the weekend, he would show like all of the like donuts or cookies or whatever that he would eat too. And he's like, made cool. it, deserve it. Like, that that was part of his and obviously he has like no fat at all <laughs> on his body but he's still enjoying things with his kids and yeah and yeah exactly I, I think that's the i think especially for that specific type of population that needs to be talked about more yeah i knew a guy who was just such a good he'd always be promoting like clean eating and bulking and like lean 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 and then when i'd hang out with him in real life the dude just <laughs> like everybody else it was just fine and he looked great like he looked great and he really was fit and healthy 
and he also was like eating Oreos and drinking beer. And like, I was like, oh, like, oh, you're normal. Oh, can you please tell people that this is what they can do? Yeah, like, you know. Instead of only promoting lean chicken breasts. Right, yeah. It's like, yes, you do all those things that's healthy and you can also do these things. And he probably had more control over that because he was eating healthy all the time. And so he could incorporate those things without feeling addicted or without feeling yeah. bad about yeah. things. You know what we should talk about, especially with food addiction, is the difference between food and hyper palatable food or ultra processed food. Okay. So hyper palatable is a term that just means a food is purposefully manufactured by a company to feel addictive because it tastes good and there's a certain response you get from your brain. So typically adding sugar, fat, salt, or changing the texture or mouthfeel of a food is gonna make it hyper palatable. And I was thinking about this when you mentioned the corn chips. Corn chips are hyper palatable. They add salt, they add fat, they're a nice crunchy texture. Those foods are typically easier to overeat versus if you were eating corn with vegetable oil, sure. right? Yeah. Which is what that corn tortilla is made out of. Mm -hmm. So corn itself or let's just say a potato a plain potato it's hard to overeat a plain baked potato because it's not hyper palatable versus a potato chip right. so foods that feel addictive tend to be more of those hyper palatable foods if food really was addictive or if sugar really was addictive people would be eating sugar by the spoonful and binging on broccoli and that's just not the case yeah i think my Two points there. One, if you want to know more about that, read the Dorito effect. So mm. it talks about how these manufacturers hire lots of people and spend millions and millions of dollars to figure out what is the thing that you can't eat just one of. Yes. Like that is their job. My, <coughs> excuse me. My answer to that for clients is not to take those things off the table, but to recognize that they don't necessarily serve a purpose in terms of fueling. So like I did with that meal, like those chips make sense with that meal yes. or maybe even after that meal. Yeah. So like if I want to have potato chips, I shouldn't have potato chips if it's been four hours since I've eaten and I shouldn't sit down in front of the TV where I'm going to zone out, not really think about what I'm doing and only have potato chips. Now, if I'm going to sit there, I'm like, I really want a snack. Maybe I'll have like some carrots and some hummus and some tomatoes and maybe some cheese and some nuts and then also some potato chips to go with that or after I eat that then I'll go towards the potato chips I'm probably going to eat a lot less of them so I have to set up my situation to make sense and not just expect myself to sit down on the couch four hours since I've eaten I worked out today I'm open the bag of chips and I expect myself to not eat the whole bag of chips right. like you're setting yourself up for failure in right. that situation there's nothing wrong with you you're setting yourself up to do that. Another example would be, let's say, I hear this a lot, where moms or parents, kids will bake something. Their kids love to bake. It's something they do together. And then the mom or dad always feels triggered because there's like baked brownies in the kitchen yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The solution is not to tell your kids not to bake. And the solution is to not tell yourself you can't eat those things. It's to fuel well throughout the day and eat meals before you have the brownie or the cookie or whatever it is. So if you find that you're usually triggered because there's a bunch of brownies in the kitchen at night, well, did you eat a balanced lunch? Did you eat a whole dinner where your snacks full of protein and fiber? Oh, then you can likely experiment with trying a piece of brownie or cake, whatever it is, you'll likely find you don't overeat it. Yeah. Even if it's hyper palatable, because your body got what it needed and you're physically full, it's not going to send you those compulsive urges to eat a whole sheet of brownies. Yeah. I also think there are, I have some clients who ask too much of themselves in terms of, um, being able to say no to things like 
oh, you know, somebody brought in donuts to my office and they sat them right on my desk. And I just, I had a full, I had breakfast and I had everything that we talked about and I felt really good, but I still ate the donut. In that situation, I'm like, if somebody set 12 donuts down and they looked real pretty on my desk, I'm going to eat one too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. I don't think that that means I have any kind of addiction or that there's anything wrong with me or that I'm not listening to my body. It's that there's a food sitting on my desk that tastes really good. So I'm going to eat that food. Because you're only human. It's my environment. It's the environment that I'm in. And so if you're in an environment where if you're in an office and somebody has these candies sitting right next to you or the desk right next to you or the office right next to you that you really like, if Dove chocolates are your favorite thing, man, that's going to be really hard to say no to. But that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that that food tastes good and it's always going to taste good. And we're not going to take that away from Dove chocolates. They're always going to be good. You know what a weird paradox with that is? Is I find that the people who eat the donut, like the clients who come in and they just say like, yeah, and then I ate a donut and I didn't even feel bad about it. It is what it is. Like, it's fine. They have really good results. They still have good results mm-hmm. because they're not stressed out about everything. They're not like judging themselves. Mm-hmm. It, they take less of, less. they put less judgment on themselves, less focus on those types of behaviors. They kind of just say it is what it is and forget about it again. And then they kind of naturally are able to float through what a healthy lifestyle looks for them, even if their goal is weight loss. I mean, sure, it may not happen in like, you know, 15 days, they don't lose 15 pounds, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. They're able to eat the donut, kind of forget about it, celebrate that they just had one and were fine and didn't feel guilty. Mm -hmm. They tend to have longer lasting, better successes anyway, versus the client that came in and they're like, I was so good all week until Jan, you know, came over for the kid's birthday and she brought over this pudding with the Oreo on top and I didn't, I tried not to eat any and then I had the whole thing, you know, so those people that stress about those little things, I find that they just make it harder for themselves. I know that's easier said than done to relax a little bit around those kinds of foods, but once you get to that point and anyone who's watching or listening and who has gotten to that point knows what I mean. Yeah. You know, not to take it away from nutrition, but have you ever noticed that in everything else in life, like maybe with business or making money or relationships, when you're so hyper obsessed with like every single detail about making that relationship work, like you're so obsessed with controlling the other person, what they're thinking, what they're doing, the what what comes back around isn't usually positive. Like Mm -hmm. the person doesn't come back to you with like love and happiness and abundance and they're just so, you know, great, strong, healthy relationship. It turns a little bit dysfunctional. Yeah, there's yeah, so many clients that I'm just like, just relax. Just relax. Just relax. Just relax. And they're like, what else can I change? And I'm like, just just ride this wave. Just ride the wave. And that's the same thing. Stop trying to change like stop trying to do so much. Right. It's like, I see it's like a little bit of like a dance when it comes to food and anything else, right? So you like put some effort in and then stand back and see how, see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. You you start to be a little bit more mindful. You try some new things. You have maybe more of like a playful or relaxed point of view about the whole experience, like the, the journey of weight loss or improving your health. You can have fun with it. You um, try new foods. You take some of the pressure off and it's just better, And I think if you haven't experienced that with food, you've definitely experienced that with something else in your life. I think business is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think the messaging along business and entrepreneurship and work is work harder, hustle from dawn till dusk. You don't stop working and do that a little bit. See how it goes. Take a step back and just, you know, evaluate evaluate how, yeah, just enjoy what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like it's a little bit of a dance with food and too many times people are trying to be like on all the time and wonder why they go from zero to a hundred over and over again. Yeah. And I think 
like just from a personal standpoint, like my dance looks like I usually have something pretty healthy for breakfast. I have something pretty healthy-ish for lunch. And then like either after lunch or like that four o'clock time, like I have something chocolate every single day. And usually yeah. it's like chocolate mixed with peanut butter. And my goal for that is not fuel necessarily at that point. My goal is like I want something that tastes good yeah. right now. And I've noticed if I go through time periods where I don't have something available to me that's in that realm of like chocolate or peanut butter or something, and if I go all week without having it, guarantee you by the time Friday comes around, I'm like, let's go get dessert. Let's go get ice cream. Like I need a big old brownie. I need something because my body is craving that. So my dance like includes a little bit of something every day. And that's what we're, and sometimes on the weekend, I still, we went and got ice cream on Mm -hmm. Sunday. Sometimes it does still involve that. And that's absolutely fine. No big deal. But I wasn't like, oh my God, I need it. I got to go get it. Yeah. I would say my dance is eating three square meals every day. And then if I want something in between, if I want dessert, if I want a drink, if I want something fun, I go for it. It's just like if I have three square meals, I feel pretty good usually. So if it's breakfast and lunch that's normal at home on Saturday or breakfast, normal, healthy, I go out to lunch on Saturday afternoon. I'm not hyper focused on what am I eating? Is it healthy? Is it clean? Is it whatever? It's just a balanced meal. And I, you know, that's just what I do. Yeah. If I skip meals, then I'm going to want a bunch of stuff. For sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you, if you eat breakfast and then you don't eat for eight hours and you go out to dinner, of course you're going to feel a little bit out of control about what you're doing. That's actually a good point. On Sunday, it was like 3.30 and we were planning on going to ice cream and get ice cream. And Will's like, okay, so do you want to go now? And I'm like, no, like this is danger zone time. Like for Liam, for you, for me, like we haven't had anything for hours. Like, we're going to go eat ice cream, and then I'm going to want to eat, like, mm-hmm. this big old thing. I'm like, let's have dinner early. Like, let's eat, and then let's yeah. go have some ice cream afterwards. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I mean, that makes it a lot of sense. for my kid. I got him the junior one, and he was losing his mind trying to get back in the ice cream place. Really? We were leaving. <laughs> that's like, cute. pulling on the door trying to get in. Actually, it's funny that you had an experience like that on Sunday, because so did I. We came home on Saturday night after dinner, this is kind of funny. We we went to this place that serves kava and kratom, and you can't mix alcohol with that. So when we went to dinner afterward, we're like, oh, we can't get like a nice cocktail. We can't drink. Mm-hmm. So like, we'll go home and make brownies. <laughs> so we went home and then I, I was able to make brownies and have one brownie. And then the next day, a normal breakfast, ran errands, came home and was starving. And those brownies were sitting there. And I was like, I want the ah. brownies. So what I did is I actually took this thing of Greek yogurt that I had, plain Greek yogurt, put it in a bowl put some fruit that I had next to it and then put the brownie crumbles on top and it was adding protein and fiber and making it into like a little dessert so I was able to have that serving of brownie just not eating one brownie not feeling satisfied craving more it was adding in those things and I think that's a great way to incorporate some of these hyper palatable foods if the idea of eating chocolate every day scares the pants off you eat a piece of chocolate with a healthy meal Mm -hmm. just pair it and, and when you see it all together on one plate you're like oh like this doesn't feel so taboo. And I bet you have this experience. If you purposely let yourself eat chocolate every day, then there probably are days where you don't eat chocolate and don't think about it. Sure, yeah. You just kind of forget mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's it's just chocolate. Mm-hmm. Chocolate's on the same playing field as brown rice. It is what it is. Yeah. I don't know about that. Well, yeah. It's always going to be up here. For yeah, but, but it's like if people, you know, restrict brown rice, then as soon as they eat brown rice, they're going to overeat oh brown God, rice. that rice is so good. Right. It would really like it's just <laughs> rice. It just is what it is. So I think that's another element of food addiction is when you give a food 
too much power, it becomes addictive, just like anything in life. You give a person with too much power, they become addictive. Um, you give uh, something else, and you know, I don't know, like online shopping is a big one. That's something, I guess, if we're talking about addiction that I tend to be a little bit more susceptible to, right? It's just sitting there and spending hours putting things in a cart. Luckily, I don't always pay. I usually don't buy it. I just waste a bunch of time looking at objects and getting off on the idea of potentially <laughs> buying these things that I just don't buy. But... Um, what was my whole point? If I tell myself I can't have any of these apps on my phone, I can't ever browse online, I can't ever shop online, then as soon as I do, it becomes a, a, a time-sucking issue. Mm-hmm. So if you give anything too much power, it's going to feel like an addiction. Agreed. So our consensus is food and sugar can feel addictive. Mm-hmm. And Behavior for, can be addictive. Right. You can have, um, you can exhibit addictive-like tendencies mm-hmm. And it's up to you to decide whether labeling yourself as an addict actually helps you or if it actually disempowers you. And if you feel like a food or sugar addict, you can use some of the tools that we talked about, but I can't recommend reaching out to a dietitian or a mental health professional enough. Yeah. You know, talk about those things. Because you are an individual and what's going on in your life is going to be different from what's going on in everyone else's. And really talking to someone on that individual basis, I think, is the most helpful. Whether it's a dietitian or whether it's a mental health professional or both in these situations, I think, is best case scenario. And I might add, not only talking to a professional, but talking to someone in your circle that you trust When it comes to food and sugar addiction and feeling like you're addicted or feeling like you're struggling with these things, it's easy to feel alone. I think it's easy to feel like the only person who struggles with these because nobody likes to come out and admit that they have problems with food addiction and sugar or any kind of, I guess, I don't know. Anything that could be perceived as negative or perceived as something that you wouldn't want to have because you're trying to put on this face for the public, whatever. Right. It can make you feel ashamed, but I promise you, you are not alone. There is no struggle you have with food that hundreds of thousands of millions of people have not already battled or are currently battling. Reaching out to help is only going to help you solve the problem faster Talking about your problems with friends may also help you feel less alone if it's a trusted friend. I think you'd be surprised maybe who in your personal life has also either gone through this or are currently going through that. So you're not alone. You're normal for having these feelings and there are solutions and we can help you with that. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.